Thank you for joining us today with Cindy Sherwood's podcast, Words for the Journey. Today we're going to take a look at an exciting and wonderful part of our life with Jesus, the Holy Spirit. I've been in a lot of churches and denominations in my 60 plus years and had relationships with many Christians. As such, I've observed that we are all over the map as far as our understanding of the Holy Spirit. Some Christians ignore the subject while others give it top billing. Churches do the same. For many Christians, it is a confusing and ambiguous subject. For that reason, I'd like to try and clear the fog. I must confess to you, though, approaching a teaching on the Holy Spirit is like approaching one on the character of God. I mean, where do you start? How can you choose a small enough slice to be clear and helpful and still do it justice? So it's with humility and dependence upon God that I share these thoughts. We don't want to miss out on this very wonderful part of our relationship with God. It's the Holy Spirit that makes our relationship with Him possible. The Holy Spirit is our source of knowledge and power and direction and encouragement. To ignore Him is to miss the active life with Jesus. Let's begin at the beginning. Genesis 1.26 says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. So we barely get out of the gate before we see that God has existed in three persons right from the start. He doesn't say, I will. He says, let us. As is readily apparent when you read the Old Testament, the main focus is on God, the Father. There are, however, clear references to Jesus, especially in Isaiah. Read chapter 53, or this reference in Isaiah 9.6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We also see many references to the Holy Spirit coming in different individuals' lives. Samson, Saul, and David being a few. But the Spirit did not come to everyone who believed in God, and when he did come, he didn't necessarily stay. It was, at times, more of a visit. When we get to the New Testament, the role of the Holy Spirit changes, which I'll get to in a moment. So we begin with the fact that God has existed in three parts from the beginning of time. Even though there are three parts, they are one God. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is God. Like an apple that has skin, flesh, and a core, but is still one apple. So God is the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, but are all still one God. Before I continue, I think it's important to keep in mind that God is and will always be a subject vaster than the human mind can completely comprehend. We have to accept that reality. We do have some understanding. Our knowledge will continue to grow as we invest in our relationship with him. But our minds will never catch up to God's mind. When Jesus came, the role of the Holy Spirit changed. 
And Acts 1.8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. After Jesus was resurrected and returned to heaven, he left part of himself on earth to continually be with us as he promised in Matthew 28, 20. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So now, when we become a child of God, receiving Jesus into our heart, his spirit, the Holy Spirit, comes and lives inside us. This is awesome beyond words. We actually have the word of God, his truth, his heart, his power, his discernment, taking up residence in us. Talk about being fully equipped. But as we all know, having the Spirit and hearing the Spirit are not always the same thing. I'll get there shortly. We automatically receive the Spirit when we receive Christ as our Savior. I know there's Christian thought out there that says it's a separate event, one we have to seek out. But I see otherwise when I examine Scripture. I think this idea largely comes from a few instances in Acts where Paul and the apostles encountered people who received Christ through the baptism of John, but had not yet received the Holy Spirit. So they prayed for them to receive the Spirit, and they did. It was a unique period of time, never again repeated. Fifty days after Jesus' ascension, or the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit arrived in all his glory and descended upon the new believers in a dramatic way. You can read this account in Acts chapter 2, but it was a day like no other. Thousands of people were in town from all over the region, people of every known language, when suddenly they heard the gospel spoken in their own language because the new believers were speaking in tongues, a gift that is given by the Holy Spirit. God was announcing to the world in every language so that all could see and understand that Jesus came to save all men. And it was the Holy Spirit that brought this testimony, both in words of truth and in miraculous signs demonstrating his power. And that day, 3,000 people chose to believe in Jesus. Since that day, every person coming to Christ receives the Holy Spirit at that moment. And don't we wish we lived happily ever after in utter cooperation with the Spirit, always yielding to his greater wisdom? But it's not that easy. Because even though the Spirit now lives in us, so does our pride. Pride doesn't vacate the premises just because we're God's child and we have the Holy Spirit. In fact, that's when the real battle begins. Defeating our pride and yielding to the Lord then becomes a daily effort. The good news is that we finally have the option of hearing God's voice. It is his spirit that talks to us, but that doesn't mean we will listen. In some ways, that makes life harder for us. I mean, think about it. Before we accepted Christ, our only goal was to live for ourselves and satisfy our own selfish desires. When we received the Spirit, God's desires and goals were put inside us too. 
That's like putting a bear and a lion in the room together. There's going to be a fight. But don't despair. God certainly understands the difficulty for us in learning to defeat our pride and listen to him instead. And he is for us and will always help us. Our work is to learn to recognize the two voices, our sinful nature and the Spirit of God. And then, with God's help, there's the Holy Spirit again, respond more and more to God's voice. You'll never do it perfectly. But the more we head that direction, the easier it will get. So let's talk about how we discern the voice of the Holy Spirit and then some of the ways the Spirit helps us. It begins with knowing God is living in us and is speaking to us. That may sound ridiculously obvious, but imagine a giant auditorium or theater filled with 100,000 people, and you are one of those people. Who would expect to hear their name called out with a personal message? It would be shocking, wouldn't it? Would we not find it incredulous to hear our name called out from the stage? Many of us find it too incredible to believe that God calls us out from the billions of people on earth. But he does. He speaks our name and speaks words of encouragement, correction, and direction. And that includes you. He's speaking to you. He has things to tell you. Do you believe this? I know what you're thinking, but it isn't true. You are worth his time and attention. He loves you and desires to have a close and daily relationship with you. If you aren't expecting to hear from God, then you won't. So begin expecting. Next, we need to pick up our phone in order to answer when he calls. This means we have to pick up our Bible and read it. The number one way God speaks into our life is through his word. When we sit alone with him and read it, Yes, he also speaks through others, through teachers and preachers and authors and such. I mean, I, I certainly hope he does, because I'm very much praying he will speak through my podcasts. But the only reason I knew I was supposed to write and produce podcasts, and the only reason I knew what to say, was because I spent every single morning with him reading my Bible before I did anything else. I need him to work in me first before I can begin accomplishing anything good. So we need to believe and expect and read scripture. Then we need to ask. Prayer is powerful and God answers prayer. Prayer aligns us with God and his will. So let us begin our day with him and ask, Lord, let me hear your voice today. He will delight in answering that prayer. I've learned that there is a consistent character and quality when God speaks to me. It's always in a way that makes me feel loved, valuable, and respected. I feel honored and hopeful, even if it's a challenging word. So when I hear anything that begins with, who do you think you are? Or what makes you think you can dot, dot, dot? Or what's wrong with you? I know that is Satan's voice, not God's, and I dismiss it immediately. I try to never absorb those messages. 
Satan accuses and condemns. That is the nature of his character and his messages to us. They are spoken to discourage us and pull us down. God never does that. He lifts us up with encouragement. His love is felt whenever he speaks. As a side note, when we talk about hearing the voice of God, it's rarely an audible voice. I've heard a few people say they heard God speak out loud. But in 50 years of walking with God, this has never happened to me. So what we're talking about is an inner knowing. Thoughts, feelings, inclinations, ideas, impressions, and words just arrive. It's a gift from God to help us in some way if we'll only listen and respond. One more tip before I go on to the ways the Spirit helps us. When I need to know God's will on a certain matter, here's what I do. I begin praying, Lord, make your will clear to me. I want to follow your will, not mine. Then I give it as much time as I can. This might be only an hour or it might be months, depending on the magnitude of the issue. I will pray then repeatedly, prepare me for your answer. Then after I've prayed for some time, I'll ask him what he wants me to do. Then I'll listen for his impressions. Then I finish up with this prayer, God, to the best of my ability, I believe this is what you want. So I'm going in this direction. However, my heart and mind remain open to you. Please redirect my steps at any point if I'm not in your will. With our remaining minutes, I would like to share nine ways the Holy Spirit helps us. Number one, he directs our steps. Just as I shared, we can ask him the direction he wants us to go on a matter, and he will help us go the right way. Number two, he gives us the right words at the right time. Matthew 10, 19 and 20 says, But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Personally, I count on the Holy Spirit for this every time I write, speak, or teach, that it will be His words. Number three, the Spirit gives us life, that abundant life Jesus promises. John 6, 63 says, It is the Spirit who gives life. Number four, the Spirit is our teacher and counselor, as it says in John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Number five, he brings truth and shows us the things of God. John 16, 13 says, When he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Number six, the Spirit helps us pray and prays for us, as it says in Romans eight twenty six. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, 
but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Number seven, he makes God's fruit part of us. This list is found in Galatians 5, to 23, and it's called the fruit of the Spirit. These are nine evidences of the Holy Spirit being in us and working. Number eight, in Hebrews 2.4, we find he gives us spiritual gifts, equipment to accomplish God's work. It says, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Number nine, and finally, the Spirit gives us discernment. 1 John 3.24 says, Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. I'll admit that was just a flyby of the Holy Spirit and his work, but hopefully it will plant a good foundation that will bless you in your relationship with the Lord. All scripture is from the New King James Version. Thank you for listening to Cindy Sherwood's podcast. Visit us on the web at hishealinglight.org to learn more about our ministry. Please consider rating us on iTunes or your other favorite music app. God's best to you today.